0: This is episode number 68 with Mike Leitner. Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your hosts, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the American Snippets podcast. My name is Dave Brown. I'm here with my partner, Barbara Allen. And before we get started uh, with today's show uh, and on to our, our featured guests, uh, Barb and I, every week, we ask that you leave us a review. Uh, reviews are so important what we do here. Uh, it helps us get our message out there of, of positivity, possibility, and patriotism. It helps get Uh, the stories of our guests out there in front of more people. So they're really uh, important. And that's all we, all we ask of you. If you, if you've enjoyed any of our previous episodes, uh, our guests, uh, you uh, believe in our mission, you enjoy our work and you want to do your part to, you know, spread um, our podcast out there and our stories out there. Then all we ask of you is to leave us a review, subscribe, leave a review and share this with a friend. So, all you need to do is go to your favorite podcast app. So if you're an Apple user, it's just your, your podcast app uh, on iTunes. Uh, you can search for American Snippets. Leave us a review there. Otherwise, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Mike Leitner was a young boy when his teacher told his father not to expect too much from him. Always behind his peers, he nearly fell out of his high school. But Mike went on to college and he graduated in the top 1% of his class. He was also promoted to the highest enlisted rank in the Air Force. Today, his passion is to develop leaders who in turn have a passion to develop other leaders. Mike shares his story of turning self-doubt into success and the leadership lessons he's learned along the way. Now, without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Mike Leitner.
1: Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I am your co-host, Barb Allen. Today, we are going to focus on leadership, the ins and outs of leadership and what a strong leader can do versus what a weak leader can do. I imagine there are very few people among us listening in our audience who have not experienced the benefits of a strong leadership uh, Entity and the downfalls of being in an entity with poor leadership. Or perhaps some of you are leaders yourself or upcoming leaders. Wherever you at, we all know that a strong leader can break any any size unit or group from a family to a small business to a giant corporation and especially in the military in an organization like that. While a strong, capable leader can achieve seemingly unimaginable. Uh, successes and accomplishments with even fewer resources. Today's guest, Mike Lightner, knows a lot about all of those topics, having served in a big leadership capacity in the military and now as one of the leaders at the John Maxwell team. We are so excited that he is joining us here today. So grateful. I'm really looking forward to digging into this a little bit. I know I'm going to learn a lot. I know our audience is going to learn a lot. So thank you all the way from Alaska, uh, taking the time <laughs> to to sit with us today. How are you?
2: Oh, I'm doing great. It's, it's such an honor and a privilege to be here with you today.
1: Thank you so much. How is it up there in Alaska right now this time of year?
2: Well, it's about 50 degrees-ish. Uh, it's been cooling down the last a uh, couple of days up till that point we we've been in the 60s and, and low 70s for the last month beautiful oh. and sunny so we're we're heading into winter fairly quickly
1: <laughs> yeah i think i think you might have new york beat today it is a very dreary cold rainy day here but alaska is i am one of the many people you know that's on my on my list my one son got to go and i'm super jealous of him So maybe, uh, you know, maybe one day, not maybe, I'll make it out there one day. But uh, yes, I'm a little jealous. I think it's beautiful up there and looking forward to the day I make it up there. So let's circle back a little bit now to why we're here instead of everybody listening to why I want to go to Alaska. So (laughs) uh, let's talk first about your, you have extensive leadership experience in your time in the military. Can you tell us a little bit about that position you held? I was reading up on it and it is... an enormous responsibility that you carried.
2: Yeah. So when I when I finished out my career, I did my last four years working up at the Pentagon. I was the career field manager for a career field called Aircrew Flight Equipment, and basically we maintained all the safety and survival equipment that's on all of the aircraft that are in the military. So. If you've ever flown on a commercial airliner and you've seen that little yellow mass that drops down yeah, yeah. from the bulkhead, or or you've seen that life preserver they put on, or the escape slides, those are the types of things that the uh, the folks that were in my career field maintained. We also maintain like the helmets for the fighter pilots, night vision goggles, and and some of the really super cool high speed stuff as well.
1: So you say that like very matter of factly and very humbly almost, but it's you were responsible for. A, a huge budget worth of equipment and personnel and all that. How did you rise to that leadership position and what was, you know, maybe one or two of the major or any challenges you face along that path to rising up to that?
2: Yeah. So it's actually an interesting story. I, I started out, um, in, in a small town in Belvedere, Illinois. And when I was in sixth grade, a, a teacher told me that, uh, actually she told my dad with me sitting next to him that he shouldn't expect much out of Mike when it comes to English or reading because what? Mike can't read as well as the other kids. Well, you know, when you're that young and an adult tells you something like that, then you just assume it's true. It's true, yeah. And Yeah, so I spent the rest of my time in, in school basically thinking I was dumb and stupid and, and that I wasn't going to amount to much. But but in the back of my mind, I had this, this dream and this desire to go into the Air Force and and not just go in the Air Force, but I wanted to be with the Thunderbirds, right? So <laughs> Yeah, who wouldn't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I had this burning desire and uh and knowing that I was dumb and stupid, I wasn't gonna mount to anything, I, I went ahead and I just joined the Air Force anyways, because there really wasn't a whole lot going on. And uh and and this this thought though, this this self-limiting belief kind of carried its way through till about halfway through my career when uh when one day uh, our superintendent came by and he, he says, hey, Mike, we're just going to do a little spot inspection on your shop and uh, and then we'll uh, we'll be out of your hair. So uh, I was busy. I was working 12 hours a day, six days a week at this point. I, I really didn't have time for the inconvenience of them stopping by. Right. Yeah. So I just I showed them in the shop and I turned him over to somebody else. and I went back to my office. Well, about an hour later, they come into my office and they're like, hey, Mike, we're going to call Knock It Off and we will schedule a time to come back at some time in the future. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, somebody screwed up. So just give me a name and I'm going to cut their head off after you leave, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> well, yeah. Then, then the words he told me next literally, literally changed everything for me. He, he looked me in the eyes and he said, Mike, we get the impression that you are in so far over your head. That if you looked up you couldn't see the light of day and and I gotta tell you I was furious I mean how dare you say that I'm working my butt off I'm doing everything I could Uh, but as I went home that weekend I, I sat and I really thought into those words and thought about where we were at and and I realized we were stuck you know and and I don't know if you've ever been stuck before but stuck stinks It's a a terrible
1: place to be. A few times in my life, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's
2: not a good place. No. So... I realized that at that moment that if, if I didn't change, then he was going to change me, <laughs> meaning literally that he was going to fire oh, me and put yeah. somebody else in the shop that could could run things. And, and that is where I really started getting interested in leadership development. And I learned that although the military was going to give me a lot of great skills, it wasn't going to give me everything I needed, especially if I wanted to rise above the pile, right? So even if I went through everything the military offered me, the best I'd ever be is average because everybody's getting exactly the same stuff. So I started reading books by Ken Blanchard and once I read everything he had, I started reading uh, books by other thought leaders and eventually I stumbled into John Maxwell and just fell in love with his material and I've been studying his stuff ever since. So for about 18 years now, I've been on this, this huge growth journey.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about a couple of the concepts that you just touched on there. The first is the power, and I got to, I think, you know, I got to uh, interview Dr. Ruben West last week, too, and he talked about some of those things, too, uh, and and some some of that concept. Same thing, when something's said to you from somebody in a position of authority, it becomes a belief, right? And so... So that teacher looking at you and saying in front of your father as well, that you are never going to amount to anything and how you then believe that like it's, I think sometimes people can underestimate the impact of a comment or the words and how it can carry through a lifetime and how something like that could be planted and, uh, and maybe just not even, thought of but you don't even you're not even aware of the, the effect it has and how that determines how you look so what would you say to somebody now as a leader because a teacher is a leader in a classroom and they're leading like what would you say to somebody who is leading a group no matter what their age on how to maybe point out character not flaws but you know weaknesses or gaps and skills and all that is there a method to to kind of convey that thought and your guy coming in and saying, hey, you're in so far over your head, you can't see this, right? Um, Are there perhaps different ways to convey something saying you need to work a little harder at this or examine the problem or fix the problem? Or do you think the leader should just come in and say, this is terrible? You're terrible.
2: Yeah. So when we're talking about teachers, especially teachers of young kids, kids under 12, um, kids under 12 really haven't developed the ability to reject ideas yet, right? So they just <laughs> tend to be these sponges that accept everything that comes in. So when we're working with, with kids that are under 12, we really got to pay attention that the, the messages that we're giving them that are, are positive. And a lot of times it's better to just sometimes overlook the, the negative behaviors and focus on the positive behaviors and, and do some redirection, right? Take yeah. them away from what they're doing wrong and put them back in an environment where they're successful. And I'm not saying that every kid deserves a trophy, right? That's not what mm. this is about at all. Uh, it's about, you know, just getting them to think about something else. What's next? Okay, so you lost the baseball game. Well, let's start practicing for the next one, right? Because next time we're going to do better um, kind of thing. And then when we're dealing with adults, uh, it, it, you, it's OK to be a little bit more direct because adult, most adults have fully formed that ability to okay. reject thoughts that don't um, that don't fit their belief system or don't fit right. their level of understanding. Uh, but there are there, there's really two ways that we we learn um, one is through space repetition of time. In other words, if somebody tells us something enough, eventually we start to believe it. Right. So if somebody tells you you're dumb and stupid for, you know, three or four or five years, eventually you're going to believe that you're dumb and stupid. Uh, yeah. It's just the, the way our brains are wired. And then the other is this sudden impact, right? A shock. Like if something happens that's traumatic, then then it's going to force you to change your your thoughts or beliefs. Uh, that it happened to us all on nine eleven, right? Up till nine right. eleven, we all thought we were secure, and then once nine eleven happened, boom, you know, everybody became hypersensitive to what was going around them. So, yeah,
1: absolutely. So, can you talk a little bit now about your work uh, with John Maxwell and your own business that you have built as a result of that?
2: Yeah. My, you know, it's funny. My, my work with John Maxwell has just absolutely been amazing. I actually joined the John Maxwell team about three years before I retired. And uh, while I was in the Pentagon, I was managing about 5,200 people. And we had been through budget cuts starting in 91 to when I retired in 2016. And a lot of times we cut our training and education for our folks over those years in an effort to save money. So I realized that although we still had some really, really good folks, they didn't have the same level of training that I was afforded when I came in back in 1986. So what I started doing is doing calls, training calls with our folks in our career field that were open to everybody. I don't care if you were an E1 or or an E8, this is the time to be on the call, be on the call. And we did what was called mastermind groups. So we'd pick a book and then we'd just go chapter by chapter and not like a book club where we're like reading to each other, but yeah. chapter by chapter about just distilling out what's the essence of this chapter? What are the three key points? And how can we take what we learned from these three key points and apply them to what we're doing today? In other words, how can we use what we're learning to affect our actions? And and really that's what it's about. A lot of people read books and they're it's good to read books, don't get me wrong, but if yeah. you're not applying the principles that you're learning in the book,
1: exactly. then you're
2: really not getting the true value out of it, and that's that's really the biggest thing that I've learned from the from being with the John Maxwell team. the The second piece of that is I realized I don't I didn't know anything about business, <laughs> so three yeah. years three years before I retire, I get on my first mentorship call, and uh, and they're asking these questions about business that I didn't even know I should have. So. Uh, <laughs> It's just amazing how different the business world is from from the military. Uh, We just take leadership development, personal growth and development as as a day-to-day thing. It's just something that's part of our culture. Um, I didn't realize that not all businesses are that way. In fact, there's a lot of businesses that that don't even know what that is, right? So, it's uh, yeah, that was the biggest eye-opener for me.
1: So, what then even... When you are in the military, and this is something that I try to focus on a lot when it comes up in the course of a, of a conversation, uh, I think it's important for people to grasp and hear over and over again. You took it upon yourself. You got that negative feedback from your supervisor, and you decided to start reading up on, on leadership and doing your own research and all that, instead of just turning around and saying, you know what? He's right, I can't do this. I'll never amount to this. letting that teacher's voice from all those years ago come back and override some sort of survival or self-preservation instinct. What was it in you that had you select leadership and and what drove you to commit to kind of believe in yourself when they were telling you otherwise?
2: Yeah, it's, so right after, right after that episode happened, I had got a, a short notice. Uh, basically, two week notice that I was going to the, the NCO Academy, the Non Commissioned Officer okay. Academy, yeah. which is a, a form of PME. And of course, the first thing they do is hand me this book called okay. The One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard. And, and I'm looking at this book going, You're dumb and stupid. You're never going to learn this stuff. You know, why are you even here? And then the other side of me is going, Hey, you better learn this stuff yeah. or you're going to get fired. So you need to like just force yourself to sit down and muck through it. So I, I basically, I took the book. I was supposed to read a chapter that weekend, and I sat down for coffee at some restaurant. And and I got to tell you, I, I couldn't set the book down. I started reading it and reading it, and I'm drinking coffee and just relaxing. And the next thing you know, I read the entire book from cover to cover. Wow. And it was like the first time in my life I think I ever read a book from cover to cover, <laughs> to be honest. But, but I was really, I was attracted by the material. I was attracted by the content and what i realized is is that i didn't hate reading i just hated reading the books they were giving me so they were giving me these garbage books that i didn't enjoy i wasn't interested in them at all but when i first started reading about leadership that was interesting to me number 1 because i didn't want to get fired and number 2 because <laughs> i just i i really dug the, the concepts, right, of of how you, you are in control. You're not pre-programmed for failure or success, right? You have the ability to learn and grow through that to get to the place you want to go. The only, the only thing that's holding you back is how much you're willing to sacrifice and how hard you're willing to work.
1: Yeah. So what was one of those action steps? Can you remember um, maybe one of those things that you implemented, one of the first earlier things you implemented in your life? to get to where you are now, from where you were then?
2: Um, scheduled reading time, 30 minutes a day. I put it in my calendar. That, that has made a huge difference. The other piece is taking something, no matter how small it is, just something that I'm learning and teaching it to somebody else. To me, that it does two things. Number one, I, I reaffirm what I read by repeating it uh, in my own words. And number two is I get the value of their feedback, right? I get their input back. So it's almost like having two brains chewing on the same piece of intellectual property. And that, that has really helped me a lot.
1: Awesome. So along that way, and so now you have your own company of your dare to dream leadership program, which I would like to get into a little bit at some point and talk about the different programs you offer and how you develop them and all that. But to go out and start your own business, the entrepreneurial path is not an easy path to take. It's a rewarding path, right? But it is super challenging and all that. And you have built that business and you volunteer in your community, which I saw too. You just just won or were recognized in your community with a volunteer award?
2: Yeah, that was a huge surprise. I, I was I received the Volunteer of the Year Award. They call it a gold pan award yeah. from our local uh, Chamber of Commerce.
1: So what is the volunteer work that you do in in the middle of everything else that you're doing?
2: So with the chamber, I help yeah. them with, they, they call them chamber ambassadors. So I okay. go out to other businesses and for, if they're already a chamber member, I thank them for you know, being a chamber member. And if they're not, then I, I pitch them the chamber and why it's been good for my business and how it could be good for theirs. Uh, I also volunteer on their military appreciation committee and I help out with their bowlathon. I'm one of their sponsors for their military bowlathon. It's just one of the ways we pay back uh, the yeah. military. And then I help out with their military appreciation picnic, which is this huge picnic we throw on base, usually attracts between four and 5,000 wow. uh, military and their families. And it's just free food and, and fun for, for everybody. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, and then I also serve on the uh, new members committee for the chamber, as well as the uh, business development committee.
1: In all your free time.
2: Yeah, and all my time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, what is it then? Are you still in touch with the veteran community as a whole? I mean, do you see some of those the veterans coming out and transitioning? In, 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 do you have any kind of wisdom or nuggets for somebody leaving the military because you face that kind of culture clash as well? Uh, do you have any kind of words, hindsight wisdom you can throw back at them based on what you experience?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I still engaged with, they call it J. It's Joint Base Elmendorf Richardson right here in town, and I do quite a bit of work for them. Uh, and then we have a, a local veterans homeless shelter here in Anchorage as well, and I try to get over there and help with them, uh, help them as much as I can. In fact, uh, we got a campaign going on right now. I have a, an event coming up on the 2nd of November, and we always look for people to sponsor veterans and uh, whether they be active duty or homeless veterans for that event. Uh, last year, we had a, a, a gentleman that was there. He's a homeless vet with a master's degree. He was a, a major in the, the wow. military, didn't transition well, uh, found himself homeless and was trying to get himself back on track. Uh, and, and he was there totally free. Somebody had sponsored him to be there. So it's it's always good to be able to help and provide those kind of resources. Uh, my advice for for retiring uh, or just separating uh, from the military is have a plan. You know, chances are you you didn't go into the military without a plan and you shouldn't be leaving it without a plan as well. And if if your only plan is go to school, then you probably need to take another look at your plan because education is good. Don't get me wrong, but it's not going to feed your family. You know, there's this thing called a J.O.B. that you're going to have to have after the education is done. Right. Yeah. So. So have a plan, know where you're going to go, um, have some stuff lined up. And if, if you don't, then it's probably not time for you to separate yet.
1: Okay. So what do you think are some mistakes that people have made on on their path to leadership or when they're in a leadership position that can be used as a lesson or an educational tool for others?
2: Yeah, for me, I think the biggest lesson I learned, um, John talks about in his book the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth, and it's the, uh, the assumption gap. You know, we all, we all assume that we're just going to kind of grow automatically. Like the, as we get older, this wisdom's just going to be parted on us and, and, and we're going to be these these great leaders. And quite simply, that's that's not the case. It's not going to happen. Uh, you have a choice. You can either get ahead of it and start learning on your own and, and take responsibility for your own training and development. Or two, you can go by default and you can let your mistakes and failures um, be your teacher and, and I got to tell you, taking a proactive stance um, yeah. feels a whole lot better. <laughs>
1: yeah, it when you can kind of get on top of it and get out in front of the things that go awry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, what's that old saying? We're either preparing or we're repairing,
1: oh. and
2: uh, I'd <laughs> much rather be preparing.
1: <laughs> I have done a lot of repairing in my life. I'm just—I'm uh, a new member of the preparing group, but I still occasionally slip back to the to the repair. I'm the duct tape and bailing twine kind of girl, and that ha- carries over to my life a lot as well too. So I'm working on that myself, but it's it's going all right. Um, so. What role do you think uh, creative thinking plays in a in good leadership?
2: Oh, absolutely. you know when i when I talk to proposed clients, I always tell them it's running your business is really about your your uh, ROI, right? And I don't mean ROI is in return on investment because most successful businesses know that if they get their relationships, their opportunities, and and their uh, innovation correct, then money's a byproduct of that, right? So uh, innovation is obviously a huge piece to that. You have to be on that trending edge. If you're not out... um, thinking through neck what's coming next if you're just going into work day to day producing the same widget eventually you're going to be do- producing a, a great quality product that nobody's buying and there's there's tons of companies out there that we can learn from on that i mean just look at kodak i mean kodak was a world leader in film forever yeah and they turned away the digital camera
1: you know
3: <laughs> uh-oh <laughs> hello i mean
1: yeah yeah, uh,
2: yeah. Polaroid same thing, right. you know? I mean they they got so so caught up in their instamatic that, that they didn't see that digital was coming either. Yeah. And uh, Polaroids got, now like, coming I, back
1: as like a vintage thing. Like people are pay, paying extra for Polaroids. It's such a yeah. they're <laughs> so fascinated by it now. My brother has one and he brought it to our house and then my stepdaughter saw it. She just turned 13 and she's like blown away by it. Like, "Whoa, you know what is this?" And so it's so interesting to see how something that was kind of just old and a staple is now is seen as something so new and and exciting in the minds of a 13 like you just didn't process them it was hysterical when we saw that so what are some of uh, if you're open to talking about some of the boldest moves you've made in your personal life or in your professional life that really kind of shook things up and changed things but maybe caused a lot of doubt and apprehension in your world
2: well, for me, I think probably the biggest, the biggest move I made was when I was selected to become the career field manager for our career field. Up, up till that point, all I had ever done is served at a, a field level. I'd never been in a staff position before in my life. I didn't I didn't know how to do staff work at all. Um, so to transition from a, a field level, where you're working with your airmen and you're making your products every day to basically becoming the corporate CEO for your career field and managing 5200 people. I went from 62 employees to 5200 in a flight, you know, from
3: <laughs> That's a lot
1: of Japan passengers to, to pick Pentagon.
2: up. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And so for me that was that was the biggest um probably the boldest move that I made uh during my career. Uh, now there's there's tons of other little kind of things that happened along the way that I think prepared me for that. Um but yeah that's probably the most memorable was just that sudden impact of, you know, you're not in charge of sixty people anymore. You're in charge of fifty two hundred. Don't mess this up.
1: Don't mess this up. <laughs> but no pressure or anything. So what was that like you put your boots on the ground there and walked into the Pentagon. And you're in charge of 52 hundred people. What is that first week of work like?
2: Yeah, so I I had a week's overlap with the person that was there before me. Okay. So he he showed me where the bathroom was at and where my desk was at. <laughs> Got me all of my okay. access to everything because, as you can imagine, you know, there's there's a lot of access levels yeah. that you you have to jump through to yeah. to get your little at the card,
3: Pentagon yeah. pipe
2: card and everything else. Um, And then, yeah, basically he just uh, he just turned me loose. So day five, I could still remember how to get to my office and where my bathroom was at and and how to log into my computer. But other than that, everything else was just like this fog. I kept having to go back to my notes and look through to say, okay, who's my boss again? Okay, let's see, Colonel, whatever. He's in this room. (laughs) And I have to, you know, it's just it, it was just really 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 weird for me did you have much
1: notice so you said you were in japan and you were overseeing 60 something people and then what was your notice that you and were you given a choice in this leadership role you were then
2: it it was about i had about two two months notice that i got selected and the movers are coming on this day right um And when it comes to that position, it's the only nominative position that we have in our career field. So each, they call them MAGCOMs or major commands. Think of it like a a regional kind of thing. Each Mm -hmm. region has to nominate one person. And I was in the Pacific region, and I was their nominee. So, yeah, so it's not something you get a vote on. You're told, (laughs) provide this information. They send that information up. They review all the packages, they pick the one that they want to hire, and then you get noticed and you get two months to pack your stuff and get get on the road.
1: So, I mean, I would think that felt kind of good to know that, hey, these people believed in me so much, they nominated me and put me forth. And these people believe those people so much that they selected me. And now that's a large responsibility to, to me, but does it also kind of give you that confidence boost as well? Knowing, Hey, the, this is, this is a real deal, you know, and all these people want me to be doing this.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, anytime somebody believes in you, it, it helps. I mean, anytime we're going to do something new, we always borrow belief um, from other people. I shouldn't say always, but a majority of the time we're borrowing belief from other people. Uh, just think about how you learned how to ride a bike, right? So when you first learned how to ride a bike, you probably didn't just see a bike, jump on a bike and start riding, right? I mean, you saw a bike, you decided you want to ride it and you said, I'd like to do that. And somebody came along, maybe a friend or your your parents said, hey, okay, I'll help you learn how to do that. And they kind of coached you through that process of of actually riding a bike. Well, in that interim of not knowing how to ride a bike to learning how to ride a bike, you mm-hmm. were really borrowing their belief in you right. to be able to do it or at least try. And uh, and absolutely, I'd say for the first probably four months, the fact that I had my predecessor on, even though he was retired, he gave me his home phone number. Oh, to awesome. listen. If you ever need anything, call me.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. And then there were, I was the fifth person to ever fill that position. And three of the other four lived in the DC area. so we started this tradition of just meeting for lunch once a month and oh, how cool and, is that and talking through things and, and that really helped a lot too. So.
1: Yeah and don't you find that it helps when you surround yourself with people who are you know successful and high achievers and motivated and all those things that you had to be to carry out that job Does it kind of push you or elevate you more to, to raise your own game?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And then just having access to their thoughts and knowing that they had the history on a lot of the things that were still going on, right? Because nothing in the military happens overnight. Nope. There's there's <laughs> projects I started when I was there that won't see the light of day for another ten years, yeah. right? People people won't even know that where who started that project, but they'll see the technology on on TV, you know.
3: Yeah.
1: Which is kind of cool. Totally true. So is there somebody in your life that has served as a mentor, somebody you could look up to and kind of guided you on your path?
2: Yeah, during during my career there were two people that really stood out. One was uh Staff Sergeant Steve Nitahara. Uh, He was my very first supervisor and and he was amazing. I mean, as I said earlier, when I came in, I had a lot of self-doubt, a lot of negative beliefs going on. And so every time I did something really good on the military side, it was like I would do something really bad on my personal side to kind of offset it, right? To screw that up because yeah. I'm dumb and stupid. How should I be winning this award? You know, I do stupid stuff like riding my motorcycle through the dorms. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> who, who does
3: that, right? Uh, I mean, you
1: do. That's I, I laughed a little too loud because I think that's fun. But uh, yes, I could see. <laughs>
2: yeah. So, seemed like a good
1: so idea my, at the time, I'm sure.
2: Yeah. So my first supervisor, <laughs> bless his heart, he really, he poured into me, he really, he set me up for success in the military, believed in me and and hung on through those times that, that I wasn't getting it. And then, uh, and then. Uh, he actually, he even helped me a lot on my personal side too, because when I first came in, I was arrogant. I knew everything and, you know, typical 18 year old. Right. Mm -hmm. So I I decided I wasn't going to invest in this GI bill. Right. You put a hundred dollars away a month over 12 months. And then when you get out, you have this big pot of money. You can go to school or whatever. I wasn't going to do that because college wasn't for me. After all, I'm dumb and stupid. Right. I don't need college. Um, Well, he (laughs) one day I'm telling him how I'm not going to go to school and he goes, OK, whatever. He he goes in his office and he comes back out. He says, hey, Mike, let's go for a ride. And I'm like, OK, he's I got no stripes at this point. He's got four. So he's the boss. Let's go for a ride. (laughs) And uh, next thing you know, we're at the bank and he's telling me to have a seat in the waiting area. He goes into one of the back offices And he comes out like five minutes later with these papers. He's like, sign here, 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 and here, and here. And I'm like, okay. You know, he's staff sergeant. Tells me to sign. I sign. He takes the papers, goes back in the office, comes back out and says, okay, let's go. And that was it. We never (laughs) talked about it again. I had no idea what I signed. (laughs) Nothing. We just, we never talked about it. Well, 14 years later... My mom calls me and she's like, honey, what do you want us to do with all these savings bonds? I'm like, savings bonds? What are you talking about? (laughs) She's like, yeah, you've been getting a $200 savings bond in the mail every month for the last 14 years. Oh my God. (laughs) And I'm like, well, you guys are coming up, bring them on up. So they brought up a stack of savings bonds like this big. And of course, my dad and I take them, we run down to the bank and turn them in and I had saved $34,000 and never even knew it. So not only was Sergeant Nita Har looking out for me then, he was looking out for me like way far out in the future, farther than I could even see myself. And uh, the 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 really cool part is from that, I learned how easy it is to actually invest because I never missed that hundred bucks. Yeah. I didn't even know it was gone. Yep. Yeah. You know? There was this thing in my LES. Looking back at all my LESs, I could see it. It says bond. And I had no idea what that meant. (laughs) (laughs) just figured the government was taking another 100 bucks.
3: (laughs)
1: That's awesome. Yeah.
2: And then the the next person that really helped me a lot was uh, was Master Sergeant. um, Oh, what was his name? Um, God, I just had it. Oh, my goodness. It'll come to me in a few minutes. We'll
1: call him Master Sergeant.
2: Yeah. Anyway, so it was the guy that basically told me I was, I was screwing up. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, he, uh, he actually turned out to be a really good mentor of mine and, and really, really helped me a lot. Holt, that's it. He was Master Sergeant Holt at the time. He's now retired Chief Master Sergeant Holt. But yeah, he, he was absolutely, uh, amazing. Um, after that episode happened, he, he really poured into me and my career and, and really helped turn everything around.
1: Can you think of any chunk of advice or guidance that he gave you that stuck with you?
2: Oh, absolutely. Probably probably the best advice he gave me came when my son was born. So I had basically two days notice that I was going to be a single dad, right? Oh. So yeah, so my my son was born and and I got notified that the mom couldn't have custody of him because of some things that, some bad decisions she made. She had done some stuff and, and messed up. And, uh, and so I had two days notice that I'm going to have this five day old baby. And, uh, and I didn't know what to do. Right. I'm like, I, <laughs> uh, it's a baby. I, nobody prepared me for this. Right. It wasn't in the manual <laughs> and they don't come with a book. So, I went in and I talked to him and he says, listen, Mike, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something I wish I would have learned when I was younger. He's like, you have to make a decision now. Your family's either going to be there for you when you retire or they're not. And you got to make that decision now. And then you have to start living to the outcome that you want. And I was like, okay, that's, uh. (laughs) That's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. (laughs) But uh as as I took this thing home, I realized what right? I mean yeah. 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 I mean the the J O B event. I've got Mm -hmm. an expiration date on my head, right? This is the date that I have to retire. There's no question about it. But my family, um, you know, they're either gonna be there at my retirement or they're not.
3: Wow, that's that
2: is
1: strong (laughs) stuff to say. And so I love how one thought, one sentence, whatever, can can kind of be the foundation for a life, right? Like one belief, one theory, one concept, and you live that truly and to its truest, and that's a life. That's really great. What would your advice to your son be when he's grown up and facing maybe his own leadership challenges or finding people that doubt in him? Somebody looks at him and says, you're in over your head. You know, he can't do this.
2: Yeah, my son's 19 now. And uh, it's funny in August, I was going, I was flying down to Orlando for some additional training and he's driving me to the airport. He says, dad, now's probably not the best time to tell you this, but I'm moving to Arizona. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dropping out of school. I'm just going to go to Arizona mm-hmm. and I'm going to, I'm going to start over. Right. And uh, I was like, OK, yeah, OK, well, that just happened. <laughs> and we get back yeah. and I'm, I'm talking to him a little bit more about it. And he's being kind of cryptic on his plan. And and uh, and eventually he just he just goes. Right. And uh, I don't know how much time or effort he put into the planning or whatever. But the one thing that I always told him is, listen, fail early and fail often. Yeah. Learn the lessons and move on, you know. Yes. Make sure that you're evaluating what you're learning so that you can grow from it. You don't wanna repeat the same lessons over and over again. But don't be afraid to get out there and just try new things. And and that's what he was doing. So yesterday I talked to him, he says, yeah, Dad, I, I didn't think this through very well, so I'm gonna come back up to Alaska Um, I need to put some things in place like I need to have a credit card I need to have this I need to have that and then once those are in place then then I'll venture out again and try this again and I'm like okay perfect
1: (laughs) I love 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 that and that sounds so easy in words but is so difficult to live I have the four boys my oldest is 19 now so 19 18 17 and 15 Right? Blah. Craziness. And it's so hard. I know sometimes in the school and in the culture community we're in, the parents would always go in and like kinda some parents would like finish a report for their kid or rush in to make sure they don't miss their schoolwork or like have I would have some teachers saying to me, We know your son didn't turn in his homework. I'm like, Okay, that's my son's choice, right? He he needs to take the repercussions from you at school because me standing over him telling him to do this work is not going to teach. I'd rather he fails math in the fifth grade and suffers right. some shame and pain from that, right, than has to have somebody standing over his back for the, his entire life teaching him things. So I love that you did that. As a parent, I, I can truly respect how difficult that can be to let your kids go out and do that. You know, my older son is just learning some of those same lessons. He had his first year at college and hit some brick walls and made some decisions. And now this year, because he was given the rope to do that and feel it, you can tell people all you want until you, know, to, to you have no breath in you that you need to figure this out and study this. But sometimes until someone feels it or experiences it or wants it bad enough, they're just not going to hear it. So I think the fact that you embrace failure and give that message to your son and you know, you are his leader in life, right? And so you're giving that message to him. And I think people so often confuse failure or having to return home and for your son to say, hey, guess what? This isn't working out now. I'm going to go back. I'm going to regroup and I'm going to try this again. That takes courage too, because sometimes people, you know, he could be afraid that people in a small town or a town are going to look at him and say, oh, he tried. I told him he wouldn't work, you know. So for people maybe afraid to go out, Uh, Maybe that'll validate their fears a little saying, oh, he tried it, it didn't work, you know, but then he goes back out and he tries it again. I just I love how that all works. and, And I love the important lessons that teaches. Can you tell us a little bit about your Dare to Dream leadership development program and the things that you offer there and some events you have coming up?
2: Yeah, so Dare to Dream Leadership Development, that's my portion of the company. Then I work with the John Maxwell team, and then I'm an executive director with the John Maxwell team. So there's really three parts to my business, right. all based on different intellectual property license rights. Okay. So Dare to Dream Leadership Development is is basically my business and I have three different books out there that I that I can deliver content through in that business. And I also have other content that I bought through from other companies like Empowerment Mentoring and Ed DeCosta's Ascend program that I market through through my business. Okay. Um and uh yeah, so I have a, my first book I actually wrote was "Lead Bold, Lead Strong, Lead Well," and it's and I just books, ordered eight, that fifth. book. Did <laughs> yeah. Yeah. good? A good, little, good, a good. little
1: slow for this, but I just ordered it. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead.
2: Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah, that was that was really just nine lessons I learned along the way that I I honestly think if if any leader will just take those nine things and and apply them then they, there's no way they cannot be successful. And, Can you give us like you know, a little
1: nugget from that book, one of those things?
2: Yeah, so earlier actually you talked about strong leadership, right? And uh, everybody thinks that strong leadership is like this bully puppet, like you gotta beat people into submission and, right. and control them, and strong leadership's not that at all. It's actually, it's actually the opposite. It's being strong and confident enough in, in your abilities and your people's ability to allow them space to fail, Right. Be there to protect them right. and make that a uh, that failure um, safe for them, because that's where they're going to learn their best lessons. And that's where gonna, they're going to learn the lessons that they're going to remember the most. Um, that's a huge. That's a yeah, huge. Yeah. Absolutely. Part yep. Yeah. And and I actually share a lot of different stories of different people that I served with in the military and some stories of my own within the book to kind of help kind of shore those those points up. Um yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that book.
1: Awesome. Oh. Normally, I try to read a book before I interview someone, but with you, I seem to be doing everything backwards. So it seems <laughs> like this is appropriate. <laughs> so now, backwards now the...
2: is a story of my life. So <laughs> that's pretty good. So now <laughs>
1: the book will click with me a little more now that I've, I've had to, to this opportunity to speak with you. So can you tell us all, or tell everybody listening, where they can go to find out about these books and your programs and the, the things that you offer?
2: Yeah. You can go to my website. It's uh, D, the number two, D, com, And either everything's there or there's links to everything there as well. Like my books are available on Amazon and yeah. Kindle um, as well as uh, Bards and Noble. So there's links to that within, within that page.
1: Awesome. He's telling the truth. I've been there. I've seen it. That's how I got my book ordered. <laughs> <laughs> so He's telling the truth. Okay. So here at American Snippets, we talk a lot about the American dream. It's one of the primary reasons we started this because we just saw such an onslaught of statements out in the country and in the media that the American dream is just dead, dying, isn't true, doesn't exist. Here's all the reasons it won't happen. We were like, "Er, nope, Not, not the case. So we're following ours and we love to speak to people like you who are following their path to the American dream. But I also like to ask you, what does that whole concept, what does the American dream mean to you?
2: Oh my goodness. So I talked a little bit earlier about how I wanted to go in the air force when I was younger and, 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 and that whole thing was sparked um, when I was 10 years old, my parents let me stay up one night to watch TV. Right.
3: Uh-oh. And,
2: and yeah. And, and back then people, the younger crowd probably can't relate to this. But back then the TV went off the air at midnight. Right. It didn't yep. come back on till like five in the morning again. There, no, there were but,
3: infomercials
1: or something. Yeah. Because... <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, well, every night before it went off and it yeah. became this thing, they would show the Thunderbirds flying over the flag. And they would play the national anthem. And for me, it was the first time I had ever seen the Thunderbirds. Right. Yeah. I, I'd never really seen them like that before. And with the national anthem plan, um, I just decided at that point, man, I want to go in the Air Force and I want to be in the Thunderbirds. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I want to do when I grow up. Um, and obviously, you know, that that, that very well-meaning um, person that that said those bad things about me kind yeah. of shook that up a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, thanks to the to the belief my boss had in me, my first supervisor, uh, I ended up joining the Thunderbirds and served with them for four and a half years. You uh, did, during the, yeah, during the younger part of my career. So uh, that was my American dream, and and it absolutely can come true if you're willing to. To step into it, right? You got to put yourself on that path that makes your dream possible. Yeah. And as long as you just keep working towards it, um, it can happen for you too.
1: So, what is one of the things, maybe one of the highlights from that time with the Thunderbirds?
2: Oh my goodness, <clears throat> there was so many. I met so many awesome, awesome people. Um, Tanya Tucker, I think. Oh meeting yeah, yeah. Tanya Tucker was absolutely amazing. I was in love with her when I was younger, and <laughs> uh, and and meeting her in life and just. Getting to, um, I was the aircrew life support person at the time. We changed our career field name later on, but so I got to fit her with all of her life support equipment before she went to fly with us. Oh, I mean, who's oh. better than you? <laughs> so I got to spend an hour with her talking wow. to her, yeah, which was super cool. And then meeting Joan London and being on Good Morning America was pretty cool too. That was pretty awesome. Wow. It was my first national TV.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so that little boy who was, who had that dream, I'm going to join the Thunderbirds, you know, be a part of Thunderbirds, a teacher who told you you can't do it. And then years later, there you are with the Thunderbirds. That's yeah, super cool. I'm so glad you just shared that with us. That is not something I found out about you. So I'm so glad that you, that you shared that with us. What's the, did you flash back to that teacher at all in that time? Like, how do you like me now? Or did you just,
2: (laughs) no, (laughs) no, I'll be honest. I don't remember what what the name was. Perfect.
1: (laughs) Perfect. That's, that's good. And I should not be harping on that. Okay. So one, one more question. If there was somebody who you have not met that we could call up today and send over to your house to spend an afternoon with you, and it has to still be somebody that's still living, right? Who would that be?
2: Um, You know, I'd really like to sit down with Mark Sanborn. Uh, I've I haven't met him in person. I've actually talked to him on the phone once. He did a an open Q and A with me and Mike Curfield during a mastermind group on his book. You don't need a title to be a leader. Um, but I would really like to sit down with him for for an hour and just kind of talk through. Uh, more, more of that concept, right? Like that, that whole uh, influences power kind of thing.
1: Perfect. Perfect. So tell us again, I had mentioned this quickly and then I got away from it. You have some events coming up. We'll wrap up with these events you have coming up because you have one that I think is virtual and people can still hop in on.
2: Uh, well, the, both of them. The, the one I'm speaking at in Reno is called the uh, Safe Symposium. They okay. they hired me to come down there and speak for three days down there with them, and then the other one is the Live to Lead event. Uh, that one is, is not virtual, unfortunately. That one is here in Anchorage, Alaska. It's a half day uh, simulcast. It's it's a pre recorded simulcast. Um, and if uh, if you're interested in helping any of our military or vets, uh, please, please, please. Uh, Go on and and sponsor them. Probably the best way to do that is through my my Facebook page
1: Okay, so tell us about that event. So somebody would know, you know Why would I want to sponsor a veteran to go to the or anybody, you know, what value would that offer that veteran to go to that? Yeah, so
2: Live the lead is a half-day web seminar. John Maxwell is one of the the key speakers. That's going to be there uh, but we're also going to have uh, Carly Fiori. Fier- Fier- I can't pronounce yeah. her last name. Yeah. Anyways, the the presidential nominee, she's going to be speaking as well as uh, Warren Dunn and uh, some other folks. And it's it's going to actually – it's going to be – or I'm sorry, not Warren Dunn. Let me get, pull my paper real quick.
3: All right. All right.
2: Yeah. Warren Dunn was there in a previous year. So it's going to be uh, – oh, Tyler Perry, Carly, Daniel Pink. And, uh, um, uh, Deborah Cyril. So, yeah, not sure. Probably can't see that.
1: <laughs> not so well. So they're going to be but talking about.
2: They're, they're talk about leadership, transformational leadership. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just help people learn and understand that, that, uh, you know, don't lead by default, you know, lead with intention.
1: Awesome. So, and I can tell anyone listening that going to an event like that can offer immense value to really to anybody at any stage of their professional or personal path. But in particular to a veteran seeking to find that new purpose, once the purpose of the military is no longer their primary one, uh, it could be there's a gap between those two areas in their life. And sometimes this is where we lose them. And so Allowing somebody the gateway into that world to meet these people, to talk to them, to hear their ideas, to network, to make some connections, it can 100% add that value to that person's life at that time. That will help them change that their entire life trajectory. So, if anybody is wondering the value, why would I put up this money for a veteran to go attend these events? Well, these people have done so much for all of us, and um, yes, they signed up for it. And I can answer all those questions that people you know, all those statements that some people throw out, they signed up for it, they knew we didn't ask them to go. No, that's true. None of us asked them to go, but they went anyway. And I can be sitting here in my home talking to you in Alaska, because somebody right now is somewhere else doing something else so that I can be here sitting there. And so I would highly encourage anybody, maybe at your work at your office, take up a collection, whatever it is, have a competition and sponsor that. And let's see how many veterans we can get to attend that event, courtesy of Grateful Americans. And I think it would be wonderful. Maybe we can check back in with you after the event to see, uh, check in on on the status and see how that all went.
2: Yeah, that'd be great. Okay,
1: perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service. Thank you for taking this time to sit here and tell us some lessons and share your insight with us. I hope people who are listening in have grabbed on to one or two key concepts and certainly please follow up Get his book and I will throw my standard offer out there. Anybody who wants to leave a podcast review and take a screenshot of it and send it to us, tell us what you gained from this interview. I will go ahead and send the first three of those people a copy of your book uh, because it really is right there. You can follow the links and hop onto Amazon and get it. So the first three people that want to go ahead and leave a review on this episode, tell us what you gained from it and take that screenshot, email it to info at americansnippets.com. I will order a copy of this book for you and send it out your way, okay? So thank you so much for taking the time again to, to be with us, and and uh, we really appreciate all that you've done.
0: Thank you, I appreciate you having me today. Thanks. All right, that wraps up another episode of the American Sippets Podcast. Thank you so much for listening in on today's show. We'd also like to thank Mike Leitner for being here today, sharing his story with us and sharing it with you as well. If you wanna learn more about Mike and how to get in touch with him, Uh, Check out the full article that we did on him. You can do that over at americansnippets.com. It's the featured episode, so that's episode number 68. Uh, We're having a review contest, so I mentioned how important reviews uh, are at the beginning of uh, this show, this episode, and it's how our stories get out there. It's how our podcast gets out there. It's how we get in front of more listeners. So we're going to have a review contest, and all you need to do is head on over to iTunes, leave us a review, take a screenshot of your review, and share this on share it on social media. So on Instagram or on Facebook, we'll take the first five reviews and you will get an American Snippets t-shirt. So we look forward to seeing your reviews and we will be in touch with you if you are, are a winner. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next time.